The DeFalco Files is an entertainment-based program. Some memories of certain events might be fuzzy. All opinions are that of the host. Content might not be appropriate for children and some adults. Listener discretion is advised. And remember, the truth is here. Vegas Bad Boys of Podcasting presents The DeFalco Files with FSW owner Joe DeFalco and your host, Matt Michaels. Michaels here on the DeFalco Files with the owner and creator of FSW, the future stars of wrestling here in Las Vegas with Joe DeFalco. Joe, how's it going uh, for you coming into the uh, Labor Day weekend? Uh, Labor Day weekend, that's the uh, that's the mellow week. We have nothing going on. You know, all we got to do is prepare for survival of the fittest on September 10th. Scheduled to be at the Silver Nugget. I get a call yesterday. And I was a little confused. It said, you know, Jade Nugget. And I was supposed to drop off the money last uh, the last week, but she was leaving on vacation, and I missed the date. So I was like, yeah, okay, she must be calling about, hey, you know, get us the payment, not a big deal. And then she's going on about having no power. And I'm, I'm really not comprehending. She's like, oh, the Transformer this, blah, blah, blah. So I'm like, okay, uh, must be something with the event center, you know? And then Joey said something that he heard from somebody. So I went online, you know, typed in Silver Nugget and nothing. So I'm like, Silver Nugget closed. And then all of a sudden it was like it, li- it linked to a Facebook. It said, due to electrical issues, the Silver Nugget is closed uh until further notice uh, the one thing i asked was like well how long has this issue been she goes since last monday and now the conversation was on thursday so that was 10 days okay and i'm like well when is it expected to be fixed well it shouldn't affect your your show uh it should be fixed by next wednesday or thursday i'm like it takes 17 days to fix an electrical issue to get your casino up and running like what the fuck so it's like okay so i'm gonna find out i'm like are you getting more info let me know as quick as possible and it's like well you know the issues with silverton and the ticketing the you know the tickets have you know three quarters of the front rows already been bought like how is all this gonna work logistically the cost is more Oh, we're going to get people there. You know, so the, you know, FSW arena is definitely in play if it has to be. You know, any of the donations we do to vet ticks and stuff would have to be pulled because at best we're going to put 250, 260 in there. So, you know, and for the cost of the show, it's still the same minus what the cost would have been to the Silver Nugget. So, if we had three, four hundred paid for that show, we wouldn't be able to do it. And it's kind of like, okay, the show's at six o'clock. I know they've done outdoor concerts there, but the show's at six o'clock. It'll be dark by seven thirty. Right. And it's like, well, what about if you did it earlier, like four o'clock? Well, now you got to change some things. But our tag team cha- uh, tag team title match. Royce and Jarrell aren't getting in till right. seven o'clock. Yeah, you know, and it's like, and and Ace Austin without delays not getting in till around three forty-five. So logistically, how do you set up? Well, okay, you set up outside. You start at six o'clock. Oh, it's light for the first hour. Great. Well, what happens when it's dark? If there's no power, there's nothing to plug in portable lights into. Yeah. And it's like you can't cancel. It's hard to do that. You know, you got the flights coming in. They're set. Yeah, they could be on hold. 
And then all of a sudden Ace is screwed because now he's stuck in, in Westchester with a flight to Vegas. Well, if I'm paying for that flight to Vegas, I ain't getting a refund. Right. And at right. that point, it reverts back to Impact being responsible for his flight because there's no show, but the show got canceled. So that's going to be an issue. It's like, well, never, never had that issue before. Yeah, and I'm sure uh, it's one of the more rare issues in Vegas where an actual established casino that's been around for years not only has lost power, but has lost power for you know what will be about two weeks at least. Which, close, yeah, close to two and a half, 17 yeah. days almost. Which, you know, that's mind-blowing. Um and in, in really does make you wonder what their operations is really like because how much money are they actually losing or are they already losing so much money that it doesn't really matter yeah because i think their big money comes from their quinceaneras and their concerts so that would mean last weekend friday and saturday uh this weekend friday and saturday is going to be canceled and i know they had something scheduled on the saturday because we asked about setup and we weren't going to be able to set up till sunday morning so you know that that's kind of cut it that's and thousands he, of dollars that they're going to right, lose yeah. so you know you would think that hey it made sense for them to fix it as soon as possible but i don't know what the issues are right yeah, and that's interesting, too, being Labor Day weekend, not only Friday, Saturday, but the potential of Sunday as well. Labor uh, Day weekend and nobody will be working. What's going on with that? Yeah. Uh, maybe that's what they did to uh, cut back on paying the employees overtime. <laughs> they shut down their generators. Um, so when you think about then logistically like you said um there's just so much to think about in the end what happens uh for you if you have to go to the school and of course like you said you pulled the vet tickets uh you know obviously you get as many people in there but does that end up being um, for you guys a little bit more of a is it more of a just hassle is it more of a letdown for the guys because it's not the casino or is it you know potentially too uh, a little bit of uh, you know a, a loss in money uh, even though you wouldn't be losing much more um, you know, what? what is the biggest downside of if it does have to move? Well, first off, at the school, we're lucky to get 65, 68 front row. Right. Well, multiply that by $45 compared to 85 to 90. So you're talking about 25 front row at $45 a piece. Yeah. You know, that's $1,000 right there. And now you're talking about second row. And second row, there's room for, you know, 100 to 150. In the school, there's maybe 40. Right. Now, maybe we get to 60, but how do we do that? We now move front row in, which really makes it tough to get 70. Now there's literally one foot between the ring and the chairs for wrestlers to do things. Now that kills all that. The bleachers, now you got to fight with people to move closer. Now they're right on top of each other. And instead of the freedom of 300 you know, general admission chairs, we got a hundred people yeah. that are squeezed in. 
and you got to stop every match. Hey, well, you know, our guys like to take it on the outside a little bit, you know. Uh, anything we had planned really has to be changed, right? You know, and, and it makes it tough. The, the only advantage is when Royce and Jarrell land at 705. They should be able to be at the show by 7.20 because they're five minutes away. Right. <laughs> but, you know, running a show, how many potential customers are we losing? Because whether it's the Nugget or Silverton or with Sam's Town or whatever, it was a night out. You could go eat. You hang out. Sometimes, hey, maybe you drop off the kids and you go gamble at Sam's Town. Yeah. But you got them a place to be there. Where now it's there's no liquor, there's really no food, and it becomes. Uh, and, and we've done well with the day of reckoning and moment of truth and the super shows, but those super shows still have a hundred to two hundred less people than we would at the Silver Nugget. Right. So. Yeah. You scratch your head. There's certain things you can't do. You can, but you can't change. Hey, everybody! It's at the school, and now we're going to charge you even more money. Right. So, you know, if you're doing two fifty max, and you max it out to this many front row and this many, this is how much you can bring in. While at the at the Silver Nugget. 150 people could walk in and you're still going to be able to sell them a ticket. That is possible not to happen. Just like when we did FSW GCW. Hey, front row. Well, some people don't want to come. They'll watch it on fight. And yeah, that'll help us on fight in a little bit. But there's a big difference between the money made on fight than we would from the live game. And it can't be like, hey, guys, now you're working the school show. I'm going to now pay you the school rate. (laughs) You know what I mean? It's like, so it just becomes a difficult process that has to be handled by me, which is another thing. It's like, okay, we're coasting in. You know, we have a whole week and then the weekend because it's going to be Sunday to just finalize things. You know, most of the matches are set. We have a couple of spots here and there working on the scramble uh, and working on one more female for the uh, gauntlet match. We got Black Swan to go along with Brittany Brooks and Viva Van. So that's a rock solid three. You know, we're trying to get a, a rock solid fourth who may not be a mainstay in FSW, but if you hear the name, oh, okay, cool, you know, because we had to adjust on that. So it's just constant adjustments from having to adjust out Maz and Rochelle and possibly J-Rod and turning something into that into something different and then having to make sure we got the eight matches because I was okay with seven because, you know, maybe they'd be a little longer. But, hey, because of the flight situation, you know, I got to add that match. Is there still going to be a pre-show match? Possibly. But if it's at the school, it's like, man, you know, it's going to be a little warmer. Thankfully, it's, you know, September 10th. So hopefully it'll be a little cooler. And, you know, it, it has been all right. But that there's a big difference between being pretty decent in there with no liquor and food than having air conditioning and, you know, Everybody goes to the Silver Nugget knows there's good tacos. They're going to be outside. They're going to be available to you. Right. You know, mixed in with whatever. So, you know, we set that all up. You know, we haven't been done. We haven't done a casino show in three months. Usually we're about two. But because of the time frame and because of that situation, it became uh, two months and three weeks from the, I think it was June 18th to two. September 10th and you know chomping at the bit to get to that big big show 
as are the wrestlers. They know it's a better payday. They know there's a bigger crowd. They know there's more on the line yeah, for that yeah. show. So, so it's another bump that has to be, you know, taken care of. And in the meantime, you know, I had some meetings and it was like, oh, yeah, that, where CAC was at the plaza and I knew people there and they, they don't really have a venue. It's like, yeah, we could get you this. And it's like, all it is is a banquet room right, that has right. those overhead shitty lights. So it's cheaper to get a venue with lights. You know, hey, I can make a magical call to Samstown, but they don't respond and they have New Japan running in October. So why are they going to all of a sudden open the doors for us in September? That, that ain't happening. You know, obviously, Impact's moved on. And, you know, the rumors on one of the websites is they'll be at the Palms. Yeah. Which yep. ain't the biggest room, especially when you have to take out all those chairs in the, you know, at first I'm like, they're going to do it on the stage. That looks terrible. But it's like, oh, the, those are removable chairs. Right. Okay. Well, that's fine. Great venue, the Palms. But it'll be, you know, interesting to see. You know, I hear it's confirmed, but not confirmed yet. So Yeah. Yeah. That's that's yes. pretty much the state it's in right now too. NXT ran there back in uh, early 2020, and um, the setup is you can do a nice setup in there. The interesting thing though is, you know, with that crowd, NXT was full. With this crowd uh, for Impact, it's going to be just tv full you know so that that well that, that that's what they're used to you know if they get 500 people at sam's town they were fine and from what i read it was set up it's set up for a thousand if you're doing you know not a concert right it's 2500 if the, all those chairs are cleared out in standing room only yeah. in that area so there wouldn't be because they got to put an 18 by 18 ring. They got to put, you know, six to eight foot barriers around guardrails. So you're 26 feet across. So it's not going to leave very many front rows, for right. example. You know, you're going to have front row and maybe go out to three rows. Well, at Samstown, they had the bleachers set up. And, you know, with the bleacher set up, it was tight in certain areas. Right. But again, even with that, it, it only got to, I believe, about 1,000 to 1,200. Not right. that they ever filled it. It wasn't like Impact was sold out. Right. In terms right. of the early, uh, you know, days of Ring of Honor that would legit sell the 1,000 tickets. And they'd be seven rows, seven rows wide. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, it's definitely interesting. And it's, it, and it goes back to what I said before, you know, they'll pay thousands of dollars for a week for a show that they're sending, you know, seat fillers to fill the seats. Yet they want to price me out right. or a lot of people out that, can bring you 400, 700 fans that yep. will now be in your casino. Yep. Yeah, it's uh, it's kind of a, a head scratcher, um, especially too if you lose something like Impact. Uh, why wouldn't you kind of come knocking on the door and be like, hey? You know, we used to have you in, and it'd be nice to see you back. We'd give you a friendly little discount here. You know, it just seems like it's bad business all around. Hey, I got to call Omar at Dollar Loan Center. Can we use it September 10th? Ooh. I don't know, man. We'll have to look at the, the schedule and see if anything's... Uh... Yeah, they might have that G League going. Well, let's see. We're in September... No, Geely probably wouldn't start until October, so you might be in the clear, Joe. Might be. Might have to get get on the horn. <laughs> um, as far as uh, 
the match is uh, you know going. You like you said, you're pretty pretty well set on the card. Um, what is your take on uh, Jacob Austin Young and Greg Sharp for the Nevada State belt? Um, does this have a chance to be a match that could be a match of the year type of candidate because of the way that both guys work and the you know just the way they know each other and the determination of you know wanting to have the best match on the card both of those guys always seem to you know have that mindset could this be a show stealer well over the last couple of years you know sharp has proven beyond the shadow of a doubt that he is a wrestler that could help any company and i mean any company and you know it took a long time and jake's kind of along the same path they've been doing it similar amount of times i i think sharp might have a little edge in uh experience because when jake came to us he was brand new and when sharp came to us he had a little bit under his belt and you know those two guys had different trajectories you know jake became a mainstay multiple time champion in in fsw had opportunities to work guys who early on you know did big things you know he had he had ryan taylor and he got willie mack and he got kenny king and you know sky's the limit gregory sharp also was the guy who got a paul london when i needed somebody and felt so those were two guys that you looked at as your local roster is like i'm not concerned on who it was going to benefit which wrestler it was what's going to benefit fsw and by benefiting fsw it was going to benefit the rest sure so if i had a guy that i felt even though gregory sharp wasn't a champion he wasn't in all these feuds you know because he was a guy who did bounce back and forth but i felt at the time him and paul london would be a tremendous match you know i felt jacob boston young wrestling you know willie mack and after the bryce thing and, and ryan taylor in the tournament and rocky romero that he got you know these guys were the ones who were a step above when it came to wrestling and right. jake had a little bit more of that japanese style in him you know you know he was doing a sling blade before anybody knew who finn balor was right and his the reason i like jake a lot was because his variety of offense was very different than the normal independent wrestler that you're watching you know you're going to watch you know a good wrestler is a good wrestler but a lot of the moveset stuff is going to be similar and jake was was just different you know and years passed and you would think that now okay these guys are on the the downward part of their career you know they're 10 11 12 years into it and the thing is those guys are at the top of their game right and right. now they've both been champions and greg's been one of the most consistent performers in las vegas over the last couple of years so having this match it needed to be more than just a singles match you know uh sharp was supposed to wrestle at the mecca i believe tjp okay and that had to get moved because there was an issue i think with davy richards not sure if that was the reasoning behind it all I remember, or it was travel issues. I think it was the travel issues show. And okay. it was Sam Adonis got stuck, and so did Davey. And it was at the Mecca in February when we had crossed. So we changed things up. So I know Sharp ended up wrestling Jacob Austin Young. It was one of those shows. 
And, you know, they had a solid match, as it could be, being on extremely short notice. You know, guys were preparing for other things. But as they've continued to escalate, why have just a regular match? It is survival of the fittest. So where can we go? Last man standing. Falls count anywhere. Well, those two guys, you know, never say die. You know what I mean? It's like, you have to kill me to beat me type of thing. And that's always been both of their mentalities. So what better than an I quit match? Right. right. Uh, who do you think quits? Who do I think wins? Well, well not even wins, but, but of those two guys, who... And, and not even in the match note, who quits first? Because both those guys are not quitters. You know, and that's the thing. You know, is there a time limit set? Is there a 60-minute time limit? You know, the only other option uh, of those two to me was was to have a, uh, a match that would go 60 minutes. Yeah. But because of the time... And, and all that stuff, you know, it's really hard to engage into an Ironman match. Right. And we've done one where it's 60 and we've done some where it's 30. And 30 doesn't really prove as much. You know, 60 is a big deal. Yeah. And unfortunately, we didn't have the time for that. So the I quit match is the closest thing. Because in reality, it could go 45 minutes. Right. So, especially, you know. Especially if a flight is uh, delayed a little especially, bit. Especially, yes. <laughs> Don't quit. But I quit. No. Uh, that's when the referee gets, <laughs> thinks, thinks he heard wrap it up and tells him to go home early. <laughs> and now you're really screwed. <laughs> Uh, well, th th there was an issue in the last Gregory Sharp-Jacob Austin Young match where the referee uh, and probably a lot of the fans heard Gregory Sharp not happy with the refing in that match. And that was also part of the reason that escalated it to an I quit match. Yeah. Yeah. So if you don't know what I'm talking about, watch the match. Yeah. And Greg Gregory Sharp, even though he kept the belt, there was there was no real winner. So you know, blame the referee for the I quit match. He's in Arizona. You probably won't be seeing him around here for a while. <laughs> um so you know, Danny Limelight, uh what can you say about him? He's, you know, he's been on a little bit of a roll, not only just here, but also, you know, for Marquez um, with United Wrestling. Uh, and, um, you know, is someone who talks a big game, but usually delivers. How, you know, how does, how does that look coming into going against a guy like Hammerstone? I mean, is this is this maybe one of the higher profile matches that well definitely one of the higher high profile matches he's had at FSW, right? To be honest with you, I think for some weird reason, maybe we need a hammerstone promo, maybe Danny cut one way too early when the match wasn't set, but it seems to be flying under the radar. And that match can dictate who will be really next in line to be challenging for the FSW Heavyweight Championship. Yeah. You know, Hammerstone, been there, done that, greatest champion in FSW history. Danny Limelight was happy being the No Limits champion, but he wasn't content being the No Limits champion. Danny Limelight feels he is the best wrestler on any show right 
And the best wrestler on any show in most cases is the heavyweight champion. So Danny cast everything aside and said, you know what? I'm done playing politics. You know, he came in and, and we had brought him in a few years ago uh, and he challenged Ice Williams and, and he came up short. And he's another one after 2021 kind of blew up. And he was happy to be in FSW. He wanted to be in FSW. He was going to do what it takes. Well, now he's more than comfortable in FSW. And he's no longer hoping for an opportunity. Right. He's like, hey, Joe, you know, I want Hammerstone. He wants to prove that he's a guy that can carry the, the heavyweight championship. And I'm a big fan of Danny Limelight. You know, he he's a guy who gets on a microphone, and he reminds me of the early days of Sean Ricker, Eli Drake, L.A. Knight, that no matter whether he was a heel or a face, you wanted to hear what was being yeah. said. You can boo him later, but you still want to hear what he says first. Right. And when it came to Jay Vidal, when he was loved – when it came to Jay Vidal, when he was hated, whether it was Matt Vandegrift, you know, no matter who it was, Danny Limelight got on a microphone, you know, whether it was Bodie's mom, whether it was Bodie, you know, he said shit. You're like, oh my, I can't believe that motherfucker said that. Right. And he wants to be on the highest scale. He believes he's the guy. And you want that because we had talked for a long time, like, hey, who's next in line to, you know, who, who's the guy that we think could take out Hammerstone? And Limelight was not considered at that point. We right. knew he had all the talent in the world, but in FSW, you got to you got to prove. And he continually proved. He showed his dedication. He made the shows. It wasn't like, oh, I got this. Oh, they're paying me more there. Oh, I can't do it. It's like, you know, it, it, it took a special circumstance for him not to make the show. So he proved his worth to me. Yeah. And by yeah. proving his worth, okay, yeah, you and Hammerstone, I, I'd love to see that. Good, You know, I'm trying to think, you know, because initially it's like, yeah, yeah, Hammerstone, he could be in with Remy and Graves. You know, he's had the feud. He just beat class, but he just beat class. So having him in there... Yeah, you know, we've kind of seen that mix and match and Danny Limelight and, and Hammerstone, we haven't. And I think uh, we'll get a strong push on that over the next week. Yeah, hopefully, uh, because that, I think you're right. It's flying a little under the radar. And uh, I think that that's, you know, it's, it's a high profile match between the two of them. So that is very... Uh, it's one of the more interesting matches uh, just from that first time, you know, feel matchup. Uh, should be a very interesting match. Um, so, you know, a lot of, a lot of this uh, is built around the uh, tag team championship. Um, how does that dynamic of now having the renegades in with, Regulators. Um, regulators, sorry. In with, um, you know, that mix, does that spice things up a little bit and uh, kind of give a, a little different dynamic now and the uh, unguided, uh, you know, they've never worked them. So there could be some real interesting things going on between those two teams. Well, yeah, initially the reason to bring in the unguided, it was like we needed a four team. We talked to a couple hey, who wasn't available. And it's like, you know what? You know, with the dynamic, Damian Drake and Chris Bay did some great things in singles matches some years ago. And their style is very conducive of uh, Ace Austin and Chris Bay. Right. So being that we have Royce and Jarrell, they're kind of a hybrid uh, they do some cool stuff, but but Royce is the powerhouse in there. And then you got Tito and Che, and those are two big boys that, you know, 
the unguided kind of would offset that. You got two teams that are more power oriented, and we would add two teams that were more flashy and risky. And now, by adding the regulators, they're totally more like the unguided and, and, and Chris Bay and Ace Austin. And to work, they're gonna, it's going to be a very high-risk match. And Royce and Jarrell are going to be the guys that are going to try to slow the pace down. So it 100% changes. Because before, hey, if Tito makes the tag and Royce and Jarrell are beating down on somebody, what is Tito and Jay going to do? They're going to fucking keep beating down on them. Right. So it's definitely going to be an interesting match. I know Chris Bay is very fond of EJ Sparks, and he had requested working him at one point in a singles match when we just started bringing in the regulars. I'm like, dude, they're a tag team. I'm not really going to put him in a random singles match with you right now. And, you know, things worked out. So when I needed the fourth team after Tito and Che, because uh, Tito's on his way to Japan, I'm like, you know what? These guys have had success. They beat the Suavecitos. They're a young, dynamic tag team that we probably haven't seen enough of. So you, you, you should be wanting to see some more of them. And I think for those guys... You know, it should be the biggest match of their career. So they're going to come in guns a-blazing. They got nothing to lose. Yeah. You know, who's going to steal the show? Yeah. That's that's a great way to look at it. Um, if, uh, if, you know, realistically, we know that when you're talking about Ace, you know, He's someone who lives on the East Coast. Um, is that you know? Is that something when you look at the tag team belts and what can be done in the future that you have to consider when you have uh, either half or a whole tag team that is uh, not only farther away but halfway across the country? I mean, how do you balance that out with wanting to give the fans, you know, an opportunity to uh, be able to support them, to enjoy the matches, to get to see them, but also to realistically go, you know, we only have this kind of window frame uh, to utilize that talent from, you know, halfway across the country. Well, thing, things end up working out the way they need to work out. You know, we, we, we did a show in Mesquite. And we were fortunate to bring in Matt Hardy. Okay. And going through the basics of the match, I was talking with them. And the plan was for Bryce Harrison to pin Matt Hardy. They took it upon themselves. And I think Bryce pushed more to have Matt Hardy not be pinned. Sure. And I believe we did a count out or, or DQ. I don't remember what ended up happening. And it led to Matt, which we were going to do anyway. So the ending part was where Gatson was going to cash in the case. And Matt ended up help, helping Brandon Gatson win the No Limits title. And I went to... Uh, a Thai restaurant with Matt, the King and I, where I used to frequent very often. They even catered my wedding. My guy Chris over there, they're out of business now. He's busy playing poker, I think, at the Orleans. Uh, so we were sitting down and we were having a conversation. And in that conversation, it led to the idea of having Matt come by on a frequent basis. And what ended up was going to be a one-off show in Mesquite we probably had Matt five or six times because you make it happen. It's like we have a heavyweight champion. We have a women's champion. We have a tag team champion. We have a no limits champion. We have a Nevada state champion. We have a special Mecca grand champion. We can utilize the future legends. It's not an FSW belt, regardless of what people want to claim. It is not. We hosted the tournament. But if Chris Bay 
is here and Ace Austin isn't, we could possibly have a Mecca Grand Championship match. So we're not under these rules because we only run a couple times a month. So it isn't like, oh, they didn't defend the title in 30 days. They can't have the belts. Well, uh, Sami Zayn and uh, Kevin Owens have had the belt for four months, and I think they defended them twice. I think the U.S. title gets defended once every six months. So we, we, we've changed how we've done things. So if we're running big shows every couple of months, there's a good chance that we could have Ace Austin and Chris Bay five times. And guess what? We made it work. We had him at a school show. So in a matter of anniversary show, survival of the fittest, moment of truth, and one high octane. So we had four main shows in the last two plus months, and Ace Austin's on three of them. So where they come from isn't really what matters. It's what's budgeted for the show. What are we looking to spend? What do we think we can bring in? Does it make sense? And we go from there. You know, I'm not one who looks at the numbers, you know, and the kid be like, oh, you know, anyway, we got to make a budget for this. And no, I'm going to book who I'm going to book. And then we, let's try to get to that money. And it's like, you know what? There's going to be shows that aren't going to make money. The last Mecca between WrestleMania and SmackDown in town, we didn't do that well. Okay, we'll do better on the next show. No big deal. You know, we're not we're not publicly traded. We don't need anybody to worry how much money FSW made and what they're going to get into their coffers. It, it, it's a business born about, about love. Would you would would I like to make way more money? Sure. But it isn't as easy as, you know what, we're going to bring nobody in and we're just going to bring in the kids and then expect 500 people to show up at Survival of the Fittest. Where no matter every ticket you sell is profit because all you did was pay for the room and you got Fox and Britain selling all the tickets and they're in the main event. Well, eventually the regular fans who love pro wrestling are going to step off. They come to FSW more than any company in Vegas because we have the best talent. Well, the best talent costs more money. You know, Joe can't pay Royce and Jarrell and Danny Limelight and Chris Bay and Hammerstone what he was paying them eight years ago. Even at a school show. You know, we'll get discounts, but there's still, you know, more money than I would usually pay for a school show. But why am I doing it? Because I want to see cool matches. Yeah. You know, you know how many times were you able to have to see, you know, the faction, Sky High, Suavecitos, you know, Laz and Adriel back in the day. You know, it was the, if you see that same combination, it gets tiresome. You know, you see the Sky High and Suavecitos over there. You see Sky High and somebody else over there. You see this. So you need to bring in fresh things. That's why the regulators are here. Right. That's why Brittany Brooks and J-Rod and Zamaya, because you can only have so many matches with Viva and Alice Blair and now newer because she's there, Tanaya, and we got some new girls that are, that are coming in, but you need fresh talent. We're future stars of wrestling. We're not future stars of Vegas wrestling. Right. That's what Future Shock is. But we're still going to put Gregory Sharp on that show. We're still going to have a Matt Vandegrift on that show. We're still going to have a Big Fonz, who is a future star wrestling. But we need to get him reps, and we need to get him on shows. And when he saved Bodie, he got a huge pop. You know? And again, that's hard to do. Right. And then it's harder to do because Future Shock is generally more family and friends than average fans. So yeah. we'll have our regular fans there. But you see this big dude. They just saw him earlier win a match. And it's like, oh, okay, he's helping out this young kid who's getting beat up by three guys. Clearing house. How do you not like that? 
but you got to get him out there for them to do it. You know, it took forever for Brian Cage to get over an FSW because he had to be believed to be an FSW guy. You know, Hammerstone was a heel. The pandemic hit and it was just like, man, we're so good. We're so happy to have you back that I just had him start wrestling heels. Yeah. So they could, because they wanted to cheer him anyway. It didn't matter. He got to that point. And that's how it is with a lot of guys that you, you can't really change. Well, you know, it started with Cross when he got on uh, Monday Night Raw. No matter what he said or did, the fans were behind him because they looked at him. He's an FSW guy. He's our guy. And when he makes it, he's our guy. So when you see a guy like L.A. Knight, go look at the Facebook posts of all our fans going crazy for L.A. Knight. Yeah. You know, even though as he got over, when he was first on, people were still behind him because he was our guy. He was in FSW more so than pretty much any company other than Hollywood. Right. He was a regular. Hammerstone's a regular. Guy's the MLW champion. He's raising the ranks. Cody Rhodes is mentioning him on fucking AEW, which was crazy. Because he mentioned three guys. He mentioned like six guys. Sepha, Bay, and Hammerstone were three of the five or six guys he mentioned. It's like, hey, maybe you should like do something with us, guys. But, you know, I digress. And, you know, that's the important thing. And, and maybe that's why we've been as successful as we have for 14 years. And when I, when I talk about success, I'm not talking that success right you know i'm not not no millionaire because of wrestling you know not even a hundred thousand air because of wrestling but in the world of professional wrestling our reputation is they bring in good people people are going to again vinny pacifico hey joe what's up and i saw he made his new japan debut and he's wrestling alex shelley and this guy, you know, he was wrestling nobodies when he first hit me up, you know. And he's like, oh, I really, and I'm like, you know. And I, after I just said it on the podcast, I hit him up. I'm like, bro, you know, I'll get you some dates. If you can get out here, I'm going to use you. No, no, no ifs, ands, or buts. So I hit him up about October 1st because we're supposed to have Jay Lethal. Hey, if you can make it out here, it's going to be a marquee card. Couldn't do it. So I'm like, hey, New Japan's going to be out here October 28th. If you got, if you find yourself, you know, because he may not be scheduled to be on the card, but he's the type of guy who'll buy a ticket to help out at the New Japan show, show face to Rocky and the crew. And now he at least knows, hey, you know what? On October 29th, I want to maybe do a show. Now we might probably not be able to do it at Samstown, but we still can do a show based off the fact that New Japan's in town, there's people there. We might be able to have some fans who came in from California, Arizona, who will stick around an extra day to, to come watch our show. So, and it's those little things that we plan ahead on and trying to figure out, you know, for dates. Because people are like, hey, I might be out here in November. You got dates? It's like, no. You know, we kind of know when we got to go around. But I also need to know if we're doing a... Against all odds, luck of the draw, in November, you generally don't want to do it Thanksgiving, Friday, or Saturday. Right. You know, Black Friday's fine. We've done shows there. But the idea is to try to do it the week before because there's a lot of shit going on Thanksgiving week that people, you know, maybe they don't want to come to the show. But the Rumble show's always been our one of our biggest shows. So it's like I'm looking at the week before. So I need to see which dates work for a Hammerstone, a Bay, a Limelight, my champions, whatever. And you want as many of the people that you want on that show to be available. And that way you go into that Rumble match and you're like, holy shit, there's seven guys who can win that match. You know, when last year we had Toa in it. And he hadn't been around in a while, and people were excited. And, you know, we had a lot of great talent. 
and and that's the key you know you want because you know the winner wrestling for the heavyweight championship and you know half the times we crowned a new champion at that show so you know it's always something to pay attention to yeah um with uh survival of the fitness coming up uh once you get past that uh what does it look like for the rest of september well because of the jay lethal thing if he's coming in we can't do we can't really do a show the 24th that would be generally the weekend we would do a show so we would probably do a high octane on the 22nd of the friday or the 23rd but jay lethal's coming in and we're tap you know we penciled in sunday october 1st because he'll be in town already and we want him to wrestle so besides doing the seminar and him wrestling so as of now we may do like a future shock on the 23rd not really promote it but just among the family and friends to give them that opportunity because you know it's hard you, you expect people to pay good money to come to survival the fittest then you expect them to pay for high octane and then you expect them to pay that's three shows in three weeks basically in a 21 day period so you need to give them breathers. You need to, you know, everybody's income's not disposable. You want to have the best shows. So we're probably going to go look at doing a future shock, which we're also in the process of deciding they did the TV class. If we're just going to make a future shock, basically a once a month midweek show that really doesn't get promoted at all amongst our fans if they you know we'll post it on the fan page but we'll definitely focus that on the kids that way they continually get that opportunity and make our bigger shows our bigger shows because we've really learned even if it's two high octanes in a future shock it, it's difficult to have three shows especially now with so many other shows going on and so much to do it's like you know october yeah, it's easy. We got October first. Okay, we're gonna do the show. All right, now we'll do the we'll do two weeks later. No big deal. The fifteenth. There's three weekends in October, and then you got your Halloween show. There, you're always gonna do the Halloween show. So that's gonna be around the 28th, 29th, because the 29th is a Sunday and uh, Halloween is the 31st. So that would make it a Tuesday. So there's definitely three shows in October. But I'd like to have more than just one show in September. We right. we want to have. We also I also have Fight Plus in my background. You need as much content as possible. Right. So to throw away that whole month of September, because we're doing three in October. Well, let's figure something out in September that could generate interest. You know, we may pop out. You know, the best of Lacey Ryan, the best of Chris Bay, the best of FSW, whatever it is, just to get our content out there. Because right. the more they see FSW, the more they pay attention to it. Oh, shit, the best of Brian Cage or, you know, hey, Lance Hoyt's on here. And, and wow, Shane Strickland. You know, it's, it, we do hour-long shows. So to put a best of Shane Strickland where him and A.R. Fox are teaming up against the Reno Scum, or him and Trevor Lee are wrestling the Young Bucks, yeah. uh, you know, we're going to get some people, you would think, to to pay attention to it. You know, Shane wrestled John Morris at the Mecca, you know, or the best of Johnny, the best of uh, Johnny Fight, and, you know, cage match with Hammerstone, Chris Bay, three-way with Brian Cage, you know, the, the, there's so much content that maybe has not been seen by that fight community. Right. Yeah. Uh, as we uh, get ready to wrap up here, um, Labor Day uh, coming up here, uh, who would you say is right now the best worker you have in FSW? I don't think I can because, again, 
besides it being your own opinion and that's how that's all great right you know you got to take into multitudes of things you know overall if you say the best pure wrestler well maybe danny limelight's not that guy but if you say the best talker jacob boston young's maybe not that guy if you say the best matt guy well it's probably not matt vandergrift and if you say it's the best high flyer you know it's probably not gonna be braxton you know what i mean so the thing is everything is it's subjective you know overall hammerstone's got a lot of great qualities it's great on the mic his persona his character he can work but his style is way different than a matt vandegrift or jay vidal like we've had guys who have been wrestlers of the year well, Graves has been a wrestler of the year. Bryce Harris has been a wrestler of the year. Gregory Sharp, Matt Vandergriff. You know, there, there's so many guys, but it's so many different styles. And it's it, it, it it's hard to pinpoint because, you know, I try to explain to the newer guys. And it's like, the bottom line is, when you're getting on shows, you're capable of wrestling, okay? What I told people, because they had no idea who he was, that many people believed that Brad Armstrong was one of the best wrestlers in the world. And Brad Armstrong never got past really low-card status because right. there was no personality, there was no character, there was no gimmick, whatever. But Brad Armstrong, his strength was whoever he wrestled was going to make look like the best wrestler in the world. Right. And there was always a place for him. And that's why it's trying to encourage promo classes and a character development and the gimmicks because Cross rode his character, his video that he made, his persona straight to the top his wrestling was fine but he was also in a lot of matches that ended relatively quick sure you know the kevin the, the kevin cross killer cross persona especially when he left fsw was destruction so the work and I remember talking with Sanjay, and he said that was the biggest issue we had with him at Impact was he couldn't get him those 15, 20-minute matches, which would only make him better because his persona was designed kind of Goldberg-ish to where now people were like, oh, look at Goldberg and Regal. He exposed them, blah, 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 because Goldberg wasn't designed to go 15, 20 minutes in a match. Right. It was high impact. Look what a WWE did with Brock Lesnar. Brock can go 25 minutes with the best of them. But they made it more like an MMA fight that it could close at any time. And if a Brock Lesnar, Drew McIntyre, or Bobby Lashley match went eight minutes, it was like, holy shit, this went eight minutes. Because yeah. there were times they would go three or four. But they set the tone to make it be able to go three or four. Brock Lesnar's a killer. Why does he, why he's separate from somebody else? So, you know, to each his own. When you say, who's the best wrestler in WWE? Well, at the thought of times, people would say, hey, it's Brian Danielson, blah, 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 but he couldn't talk. And, and then Brian Danielson, once he got into Daniel Bryan and being able to talk, he became a really good promo. And the promo, the promo ability, Steve Austin was the same guy in WCW. Steve, Steve Austin, by all means, was a way better worker in WCW. Yep. Stunning Steve Austin. I used to love Steve Austin as a wrestler. And then he changed his style. He became what he became. And his character and his mic work made him and The Rock the top champions. Yep. 
because they were able to engage the crowd. And it was not only about what happened in the ring, because you're going to get really good wrestling in most cases. You can't really look at a lot of guys and be like, oh, they suck. Oh, they suck. You know, look at Cesaro. A lot of people love Cesaro. But Vince was not a big fan of him outside what Vince is wanting, is the sports entertainment combination. He'd rather have a good worker and a great character and Mike guy than a great wrestler and a mediocre Mike guy. And that's why we have we, we try to tell people the most important thing is getting a personality, getting a persona, getting something. You know, you, you've watched in FSW people grow with Hammerstone and Graves. Hammerstone was a guy who never touched a microphone. A lot of people thought, hey, if we're going to turn one, you had to turn Graves. And it was like Hammerstone won and then shit on everybody. And that was Hammerstone's coming out party. It wasn't winning the championship. That was a big deal. But it was his his ability to cut a promo and be like, this is the guy we loved. You won the title. Now, fuck you, motherfucker. You're a piece of shit. We were behind you, and now you just turned your backs on us. And he had the ability to do that. Right. And, and that's what this business is all about. So... Best wrestler, I, I, I couldn't even give you an idea because my opinion of a best wrestler would be totally different than anybody else's because I'm looking at the whole picture. And there's styles I like. And, oh, yeah, you know, you love Vandegrift. Yeah, I like Vandegrift a lot. But I also really loved Davey Richards versus Jacob Austin Young. So don't pigeonhole me as a guy. Oh, you just like the flippy flop guy. No, that that that's not necessarily true. I like creative people. I like innovative things. I like cool things. And again, we're into September. But what you know, watching matches offhand, I'd have to go through the books, you know, to see. But the match that I liked the best, I thought, this year was the six-man tag with FSW and GCW. Now, that's, look at Joe, like in the flippy flops. That, that, and again, it also, fan interaction. They were buzzing, man. You, 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 couldn't, you couldn't not pay attention to that match. Right. And, and that also helps. And there's so many different variables, you know, when it comes to that. And I like all aspects. It's like music. You know, I grew up and I was a DJ, started in college radio. And we played nothing but heavy metal. Okay. But growing up, I liked everything. So we get backstage passes and I'd get free tickets to Metallica and Ozzy Osbourne and Kiss and any band you want. And I'd still buy tickets. And I remember buying, going to see Rick Springfield on my birthday. I love Rick Springfield. But I love Metallica. How many people do that? But then I became a DJ in a nightclub. And I'm playing Latin freestyle, hip-hop, dance music. And I'm liking all that. So my variables of music are fucking all over the place. Right. You know? Like... To this day, you know, I go to see Godsmack and Stain. Fantastic. Uh, you know, when Metallica comes around again, I'll be going to see them. Sure. And a lot of these bands are still popular to this day. And shockingly, I found out a year ago that these guys were making new shit. Godsmack's new album's awesome. And but it's the different variations of stuff right. that you hear. You know, I was big into the alternative because that's also what the college radio played. So whether it was one of my favorite bands is The Alarm. And they were kind of considered like, you know, the little brothers of U2 because they were an Irish rock band that I thought was fantastic. And so many of these bands are so different that it's like, you like that? And you like that? And then it's like, oh, yeah, and I 
you know, listen to the Cover Girls and you know Tiffany and, and but you know I'd go backstage and do an interview with Poison right. when they came to the New York when they were based out of California and that was their first big run. The their album came out and it was like so. I understand full spectrums of shit, and you know wrestling is similar to that. It's you know he's an A in this, he's a B in this. <clears throat> it's like the easiest thing to be a main eventer is to be an A plus character gimmick. Yeah, yeah. an A plus wrestler doesn't always get you there. Right. And that's why the business is with the businesses. And that's why it's like, oh, I need to get in shape to train. Wrestling is a business where you could be Andre the Giant, the great colleague. He's going to have a spot for you. They got to protect him. But then you're going to have a Rey Mysterio who's five foot nothing. Yep. And they got to lie and say he's five, six, whatever. I always say one of the biggest shocks in my professional wrestling life was having Sammy Callahan booked and the first time ever meeting him, walking up to him and it's like, Hey, how you doing? <laughs> and I'm like five, seven. And the dude's like three inches smaller than me. And he's wrestling in a match with Keith Lee and Brian cage. And it's like, if Sammy Callahan and those other two are in the alleyway, I'm fucking running away from Sammy Callahan because right. He was that person that you should be afraid of. Like, right. that motherfucker will eat you up alive because he fit exactly who he was. And it made me think he was, I don't know if he was 5'10", 5'6", whatever. I didn't really pay attention. But to think he's like 5'4", 5'5", I was like, holy shit. And to this day, that was one of the biggest shockers when I met somebody was that Sammy Callahan size. But he is like that rabid pit bull. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, we're going to wrap it up for this week. Uh, again, September 10th is the date. Uh, 6 p.m. is the time for uh, Survival of the Fittest. Uh, as of right now, it's still at the Silver Nugget. Uh, pending generators being operational. <laughs> you know, Matt, lend them fifteen hundred for the transformer so they can get power on, will ya? Oh man. Uh, well, I'm sure if it was only fifteen hundred, they already have power. Maybe she was waiting on my check. <laughs> you know, that would have covered most of it. You know, they well, would add a few extra for some chicken wings. Let's just hope that her vacation isn't is three weeks. You know what I'm saying? No, like, she just got back, so she okay. just found out. Wow. Wow. Like, wow, you don't even know your casino's closed. <laughs> Surprise, extended vacation. Peace. All right, so, everyone. Yeah, it is what it is. So hopefully uh, any updates, you know, we got all the emails for people. So if anything changes, they will be made aware of, obviously. There you go. All right, everyone, thank you for tuning in. And until next week, we'll see you.